Welcome to The Building Code, everybody. I'm Zach Witovich. And I'm Charlie Bertwistle. Today, we have a topic that I'm very excited to talk about, construction law. Heck yeah. This is something that we're actually just upstairs, in our back at our real jobs, talking to uh, a former attorney here at Buildertrend, and he was very jealous that we got to come down here and record this episode. Let's plug it. Yeah. Check out The Better Way with Nick Kanitsky, where we talk about lien laws, which we got into the origin of where liens came from and how it's evolved over time. Super exciting stuff. And we like to bring attention to things that maybe you're not thinking about right now in your construction business, but we know is out there to ultimately make sure you're be- you're the best construction business you can be. Yeah. And so Scott is on today to talk a lot about all the things that go into the contract and administration of your business. Yeah, he had sent over some kind of uh, pre-material for us uh, to bring Zach and I up to speed. Uh, Zach, you may not know, actually has a background um, a little bit in law. So he, he was more up to speed than I was, but I was going through some of these bullet points and I was just Honestly, it was kind of scary. I was like, I didn't know you had to prepare for that. I didn't know you had to think about that. <laughs> Your like, dreams to start a construction company are like, I better get a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you need that should be like the title of this episode. You need what in your contract? <laughs> like wait till the end to watch. Yeah. Right? And I'm hoping. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he will because he sent over that material. That's what we're going to get into today. So there should be a very, very exciting interview. All right, Scott Green, welcome to the Building Code. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, we talked a little bit about you in the intro, but we always like to ask our guests directly, you know, tell us a little bit about the Greenlaw Group and and kind of your story uh, that brought you here on The Building Code. Yeah, so happy to. Um, I uh, grew up in the construction business. I uh, went to law school at night and I painted houses during the day. Wow. And uh, when I got out of uh, law school, I passed the bar, no problem. <laughs> and I had no idea about what it was to be a lawyer. And my dad was an unlicensed contractor. And a buddy of his said, hey, Scott, you got to get your dad licensed up. Well, that led to a 10-year partnership between myself and my <laughs> father. So as I kind of learned about law, I was helping him legitimize his business. So I was bidding projects, doing payroll, getting insurance, getting him licensed. I did that for 10 years. So we grew his company from like a quarter million to four or five million dollars a year which is not a lot, but this is back in 78 to 88. Uh, So that's where I got my chops, really. And uh, from there, in 88, I opened up my own law law office, specializing in construction. And in particular, helping contractors getting paid. Because the most painful experience in being a contractor is doing a great job, holding your hand out, hoping to get a check, and instead getting your hand smacked away. Right. And now what are you gonna do? You've already paid all your bills. And so I've been helping contractors with that issue now for 40 plus years. Wow, so you're you're definitely uh, the lawyer they're happy to see, the one that's gonna help get them paid. I hope so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the way I look at it, yeah. Are, are, you, are you still involved with a construction company at all? Did you, did you kind of? No, my dad, uh, my dad passed a few years ago. Uh, but he was the kind of guy he wanted to work till his very last day, and he did into his 80s. Yeah. And when he wow. couldn't work any longer, he was bored stiff. <laughs> um, but now I, I'm the managing partner of the Green Law Group. We have eight lawyers, wow. and we all work on various aspects of construction law, employment, contracts, arbitration, litigation, mediation, uh, you name it, A to Z contra- construction law. Yeah, so... 
uh, for our listeners out there and, and for Zach and I probably a little bit too, uh, what are some of the kind of typical legal cases or, or issues that you're genuinely seeing on a, on a daily basis? Yeah. When, when would a, when would a contractor want to talk to you? I mean, that, that's yeah, really interesting. I'll give you an example from just this morning. So we have a new client. Uh, he worked on a couple of residential custom homes uh, for the same developer. And he gets about 90% done on both projects. And they owe him a couple hundred grand on each project. And all of a sudden, the money has stopped. And so he's out $200,000, $400,000. So he contacts us and says, hey, can you help? So uh, we can. That's what we do. Uh, The first thing we look at is, um, does he have a mechanic lien, the right to record a mechanic's lien? It it happens that he does. He's already got liens. So we're going to help him take action to enforce those mechanic liens. But we ask him, well, when you were following up on all this money and saying, hey, where's my dough? Uh, What kind of an explanation are you getting? And so in this particular case, you know, he's being told, well, the, the money's not just there. You know, we don't have the funds. So we suggest that he write back and say, all right. So it has nothing to do with me. It's just, a, you know, a hiccup in the finances. Put that in writing. Right. Because uh, if we end up in court someday, we kind of want that paper trail, you know, to kind of nail that down. But, uh, you know, we've got to look at his contract and see if he can get attorney fees back. Because the sad news is you can spend more than 200 chasing 200. Right. So unless you've got a contract that gives you the ability to recover fees if you win, you know, you're in a real tough spot. So, you know, that's a typical kind of scenario. That's yeah, super interesting. I, I feel like contractors are kind of in a unique position to where those legal conversations are happening more frequently than, you know, the average profession. I mean, like Charlie and I work for a software company. We have service agreements and things like that, but the majority of our customers like are never going to run into a legal issue. But like your contractor, every new job, they're signing a contract and they're subcontracting out work based off an agreement. Uh, and so I imagine you guys are busy and have a lot of uh, customers that are talking to you on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, you're right. You know, the other thing that's unique about construction is you're really in the unsecured credit business. Yeah. Because contractors don't get paid until after performance. So it's not like the you know, supermarket where you can't walk out with a loaf of bread until you pay for it. Right. The contractor goes in, does work, and then, then they submit a progress payment bill. And if they don't get paid, now they're kind of immediately in trouble because they've got to pay their labor and their materials. And so it's a... You know, when I tell contractors that, they say, listen, uh, you know, you're giving unsecured credit. Think about what you have to provide to a bank before you can get a loan <laughs> of $10,000. Right. You basically have to, you know, disclose your life history. And you might be talking to a customer who wants to, you know, enter into a $2 million contract with you. What do you know about these people? <laughs> you know, you know anything? You know, you might get stiff. Right. So it's a unique business. It's a, it's a great business. I love construction. I love contractors. It can be really fulfilling. But oftentimes, it's a lot more complicated than people realize. Yeah. I mean, Zach, just, you know, both of you guys were going through all the various touch points that happen along the way and all the, the contracts that have to be enabled. Is that something that 
you've seen, uh, we've had a few different guests on here in, in the past talk about just the crazy, you know, supply demand offset right now and how backed up a lot of manufacturers and distributions are and it's causing a lot of delays in projects. Um, with these sort of delays and everything that's been happening the past couple of years, have you guys seen, you know, a delay in payment and, and, and as a result, more clients coming in, you know, trying to figure out a way to get paid? Or more disputes because of it? Yeah, absolutely. We have. Um, you know, if we're drafting a contract today, uh, we're putting in an escalation clause that essentially says, look, I pay, I've, I've included X amount for, let's say, electrical fixtures. Right. Um, but if that number goes up by 10%, uh, I'm going to provide an affidavit showing my cost, and then we're going to submit a change order so we get some more money. But back in, you know, just a few years ago, nobody was thinking about that. So we're getting calls from property owners and from contractors. On the property owner side, it's, hey, my contractor wants another 10 grand. And, you know, we had a fixed price contract. What's up with that? You know, and the, from the contractor's point of view, it's, well, we had a pandemic. Right. And that's disrupted everything. And my costs are going through the roof. So there's a lot of brewing, you know, disputes on, the, on that particular issue. It's kind of a mess. Do you represent homeowners as well as uh, contractors? I do. You do both? I do. Okay. I, Interesting. I, I walk both sides of the street. Okay. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's a little bit unusual for attorneys. But yeah. from my perspective, the more I know about both sides, uh, the better I'm able to represent my clients. And if I've got a property owner who contacts me and they've really been, you know, run over by a, by a contractor uh, wrongly, you know, I want to get that contractor out of business. I mean, my contractor clients, what I talk to them about is, listen, let's figure out what the rules are and let's play by the rules. Yeah. You know, let's, uh, let's run your business so you can sleep at night. You know, you don't want to be cutting corners all over the place. Um, but the guys that are out there cutting corners and not doing things like getting insurance and such, you know, they're, con they're competing unfairly. So I have no problem at all going after that. That's and when I talk to my clients about it, they understand. I love that. Your point of view is, is about making the construction industry the best for both the right. consumer yeah. and the, the contractor, which yeah. is really, really yeah. interesting. I, I wouldn't have even thought of that. You know, generally when you talk to attorneys, they kind of specialize on like one side of the fence. Um, yeah. yeah, I've noticed, you know, you do a lot of education work and uh, you sent some information for us and I found it super interesting to kind of talk about some tips and tricks and things that, you know, contractors can be doing when going into a contract. I'd love to just hear a little bit of your advice to our listeners about, you know, if you're, if you're kind of getting, you know, your process is buttoned up and figuring out exactly what you want to do with your business. Like what, what are the three things that you should do to, to be the best contractor you can be from a legal position? Yeah, thanks for asking that. I think it's an important question. Um, I start with contracts. You know, uh, contractors get into the business typically because they're mechanics, they like to build things. They don't like paperwork. The unfortunate sad truth is the paper side of the business is at least as important as your ability to build things. You can't ignore the paper side. And that generally starts with the bidding process and then, and then the contract. So again, I like to tell contractors, listen, keep the end in mind at the beginning. What's the end? You want to get paid. You know, you're going to build this thing. And at the end of the day, you want to check. 
And so right at the beginning, what happens? You know, well, you're, you've got a new client. Who are they? Figure that out. Is it an LLC? Is it an individual? Is it a corporation? Is it a partnership? Who are you working with? Do a little background. Do a, vet them a little bit. You know, are they, are they in litigation? Do they have any financial wherewithal? That whole idea that you're working in an unsecured credit environment, do a little bit of research. And then you're going to draft a contract or you're going to get a contract. you got to read the darn thing. <laughs> you know, and it, and it might be a small telephone book, but what contractors, what contracts are about is they're about shifting risks between the contracting parties. So if you get a contract when you're reading it, every provision you should look at it and think, okay, what just got pushed over to my plate? You know, what am I responsible for? What's it going to cost me? Did I include that in my bid or not? And if you read a provision and you don't understand it, circle it, send it back to the party that sent it to you and say, hey, you know what? I'm reading this thing and I can't make heads or tails out of it. What did you have in mind? Start a conversation. Don't be afraid to negotiate, particularly today. Because in times past, when business is slow, you might have 10 contractors lined up to bid the same project. Not today. You know, so the contractors now have a little more leverage, you know, and if there's a provision in there that, you know, just you didn't include in your bid or doesn't make any sense, at least ask about it. You know, often, too often, I think contractors just go to the last page, like, where do I sign? How much money is it? Let me get it back to them. You know, so you got to read the contract. That's kind of number one. A close second is in California, and I'm a California lawyer. License law in California is uh, very strict, uh, sometimes complicated, and the penalties for not being licensed or working within the scope of your license are onerous. Uh, you can't go to court and get the money, and you got to get back the money, and you might even go to jail. So you have to make sure you're correctly licensed. The biggest mistake I see people make in that regard is they have an individual license, they incorporate, and they neglect to get a license with their corporation. They think, well, I'm licensed, I own the corporation, what's the big deal? In California, it is a big deal. Corporations are separate legal entities, they've got to have their own license. I had a case years ago where a contractor incorporated using his personal name. So let's say it was John Smith. So his corporation was John Smith Inc. Well, he had his client write all the checks to him as John Smith and he went to the bank and he just cashed them. Well, he didn't have an individual license anymore, just a corporation had a license. So when he took the money as John Smith personally, when it didn't go to his corporation, he was contracting without a license. He had to give the money back. Uh. So you know, having, uh, you know, your license, make sure it's tuned up um, is a good idea, great idea. And if you're a GC, general contractor, make sure your subs are licensed. In California, if you have an unlicensed sub, all that sub's employees become your employees. Interesting. The wow. obligation for workers' comp becomes your obligation. Wow. And in California, if you don't have workers' comp for all your employees – you can be subject to something called disgorgement, which means give the money back. I say, it doesn't sound fun. <laughs> it does not sound fun. This is connecting not some a good thing. 
This is the connect- last thing I would say is take steps to secure your right to payment. Yeah. So when you're not working directly for a property owner, you want to use a preliminary notice. A preliminary notice is something that puts the owner, general contractor, and lender on notice that you're working on this project and that you have rights to secure your payment by recording a lien or, or doing a stop notice or a bond claim in the event you're not paid. So that's a way that you can convert your unsecured situation into potentially a secured situation. So that's those are my top three. I love it. I, I was just going to say, it's connecting some dots for me. I had clients I worked with in California, and they're very particular about the way they display their license number and the the lean waiver situation and their subs and how they displayed their license number. And, you know, I kind of understood that it, you know, why they would want to do those things, but it also, there's legal implications of making sure those are visible to their clients, I'm sure. And, and making sure that they're all their documentation to avoid those penalties that, that you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. California is a different animal. You know, I was just looking, I've got somebody who wants to, it's thinking about a franchise uh, and in the construction area, but the franchisors are out of Chicago. Mm. And when I said, well, let me see your contracts. Well, they weren't anything near, you know, meeting California requirements. And that was kind of a big deal. So California is unique. You got to know, you know, what the California laws are before you do business here. So you, you mentioned contracts there, and I know that was your number one thing that you talked about um, for tips and tricks there. Are you actually going and helping contractors build out their own contracts? Um, and if so, are, are there certain things that you always make sure are included in there and kind of the typical checkboxes you check? Yeah, great question, and yes. Um, and, you know, there's a lot about contracts. For instance, one size doesn't fit all. Uh, you know, who are you? Are you a general contractor? Are you contracting with an owner? Or uh, as a general, do you need contract with subcontractors? Uh, maybe you want to have a master subcontract agreement with all your subcontractors. Are you doing residential work, which in California requires a whole list of statutory disclosures to a homeowner? Or are you doing, you know, commercial TI work? So, you know, the first thing we have to do before we can help somebody with a contract is understand what are you doing and who are you doing it with? And then we want to see, well, what have you been using? You know, we don't know, for instance, as lawyers, what things you may typically exclude. You know, maybe there are things you know that come up like uh, uh, cleanup, for instance. Maybe, you know, your, your assumption is that as a sub, the GC is gonna have a trash bin there and they're gonna take all the rubbish away. So you're gonna exclude cleanup of construction debris, you know, because uh, you don't wanna get tagged with that responsibility if it's not something you've included in your bid. So we gotta gotta learn something about the contractors, what they do, what they've been using, what works, what doesn't work, and then we can help them customize an agreement or multiple agreements. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of our customers will ask us. They're like, "Hey, do you, can you provide contract language for or lien waiver?" And we're we're always like, "No, you don't. You don't want us to do that." <laughs> yeah. Talk to a professional. The, uh, the, I get it. I mean, the assumption is, you know, that one size fits all. And, yeah. And, right. And people have kind of a this idea, and I say, "Look, uh, is that true in construction? Are all sinks the same? Are all doors the same?" You know, no, they're all different. 
So you, you kind of have to think of your contracts that way. You need a contract that fits the particular facts and the parties of the project you're talking about. And, you know, a lot of times we, uh, you know, somebody will contact us and there's been a big dispute and we get their contract and it's like, whoa, you know, this is a $3 million project. You got four paragraphs, <laughs> you know, kind of left That's out good. some stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that I'd cover um, it. Or, or kind of more likely the contract is totally one-sided, you know, because the guy who signed it just kind of assumed that everybody was going to be fair about it. And it was, and he could just sign off, not really realizing that a whole bunch of responsibility got pushed his way. You know, um, one of the examples of that is whether a contract has an attorney fee provision or not. That's one of my favorites. You know, if somebody walks in to see me and they're owed, they're owed a quarter of a million bucks I'm, and they have a really great case but there's no ability to recover attorney's fees in the event they win, I have to give them the bad news, which is, look, if we take this puppy all the way to trial, it may cost you a quarter mil. Wow. So immediately you're in the position of having to take a haircut, you know, because you can't get those fees back. So I think that's a deal killer. If I'm, if I'm in a position where the most likely dispute is I'm gonna be owed money, and I might have to chase somebody through the expensive legal process. I want to get those fees back, you know. And if I have that leverage, the first letter the lawyer writes is, "Hey, if you don't pay us and we go to court and we prevail, you're going to pay an extra, you know, X Y Z for our fees and costs. So why not come to the table now and avoid that grief?" Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And while we're talking about things that people typically forget to include in their contracts. Obviously the recovery of a, of attorney fees is an important piece. Obviously are there any other provisions you've mentioned escalation clauses as well, or any other things that, you know, can cause big problems. I, I structural, uh, acknowledgements I'm sure is a place that, uh, people, you know, are required by in a lot of States to have coverage and don't acknowledge that in their contracts is, or am I off there? I've just heard that from builders. Yeah. Well, um, when you talk about structural, you're talking about engineering plans, things like that. The foundation and, you know, coverage. And yeah. And, and of course, uh, you know, that, that relates to the scope of work you're bidding. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure that, you know, you've got plans that, um, you know, aren't full of conflicts or aren't full of ambiguities. So because as a contractor, if you bid a project per plans, and, and you don't pay real close attention to what's in there. And then you're actually performing the work and the architect says, well, listen, I, I want you to build this, you know, in a completely different way, in a more expensive way. And you say, well, I said I'll build it per plan. And you go back to the plan and, and it could have been built A way or, or W way. As a contractor, you're stuck. You're gonna have to build it in accordance with the direction from the architect, you know, uh, whereas, if you looked at the plans carefully and you saw that there were ambiguity, ambiguities, you'd submit something called an RFI, a request for information, to say, look, I see a conflict between A3 and A6. You know, which way do you want to go here so I can give you a bid? So uh, plans, you know, real important. But I would also say that dispute resolution provisions, critically important. You want to stay out of court if you can 
So if you have the ability to go to arbitration or mediation or both of those, as opposed to going into court, where there's a possibility you could be in front of a jury, well, you want to avoid that. You know, the contractor who goes to court in front of a jury, sadly, wears a black hat from day one. <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a jury years ago where one of the juries got up in the middle of voir dire. That's when the lawyers are questioning the jurors to see if they can be fair. And the jurors stood up and told horror stories about what had happened to him with a contractor. Well, I'm representing a contractor. And it's like the whole jury pool just got tainted listening to this guy's horror story. Now, that guy didn't serve on the jury, but it was kind of too late. You know, it's like my whole jury, you know. Now, truth is, everybody's heard horror stories about the contractors. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you don't want to be in front of a jury <laughs> where somebody could be looking for a great opportunity to, like, get back for something that happened to them. Your so, Honor, can I get 12 strikes, please? I need an entire jury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I prefer arbitration to litigation because, you know, we're going to get an arbitrator who's going to be schooled, likely in construction. Um, and, it's, and it's going to be more likely to be based on the facts and the law. Uh, we're in a jury. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, well, Scott, you know, we're, we're getting pretty close to time here. Uh, I want to give you a chance at the end, though, to, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, construction law is one of those things that you don't think about until it's too late. Uh, you know, obviously, it's one of the ideally you never have to go in and talk to your lawyer as much fun as I've had talking to you today. Um, what are some things that people can do kind of proactively uh, to think about, you know, whether they need legal advice or legal services, or they're not sure if they need it and they just want to make sure that they covered, where would you recommend our listeners that may be thinking to themselves like, oh, crap, you know, I don't want this to happen to me. Where would you recommend they start? Yeah, well, I'm going to be a little uh, you know, self-interested here. <laughs> and I'm going to share the fact that on our website, thegreenlawgroup.com, uh, we've got probably 30 videos, um, uh, all addressed to contractors, essentially. Nice. Because, you know, one of the, you know, things in my career that I've done from day one is try to be proactive in educating contractors about where the pitfalls are. Because, you know, I, I, contractors are good people. I mean, I don't think you, you get into this business, you know, with malicious intent. You get into it because you love to build things. You like to see the finished product. You like to hear that somebody enjoyed and appreciates the work you did. But it's also a complicated business. And if you don't realize what the pitfalls are, you know, you can get knocked off course or, or knocked out of business. So our website is chock full of articles and videos. And uh, if that's not enough, I'll send them a PowerPoint that's about 400 pages long. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you can use that to go to sleep at night. Dreaming about contract law. <laughs> There you go. Or nightmares, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how to avoid it, hopefully. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll definitely link your website um, in the show notes so everyone that's listening can go out there um, and click on that and, and dive into any and all things construction law. Yeah, Scott, thanks so much for joining The Building Co. This is really enlightening. We loved having you. Hey, guys, I appreciated it, and uh, thank you. We just had Scott Green of the Green Law Group here on The Building Co. talking about what you need to know as a contractor when it comes to construction law. And I always like to do this. Charlie, <laughs> what'd you learn, buddy? I learned a ton. That was probably one of the more informative episodes for me because it's something I didn't have a whole lot of background in. And I feel like it's typically something that 
people don't like talking about because there's, you know, it's scary. Intimidating. Yeah. You don't want to think about what happens if I don't get paid this quarter of a million dollars. What happens if, you know, my subcontractor isn't licensed and all of a sudden I have all this risk and liability on me. Like those aren't necessarily light topics that Zach and I would discuss at the, at the bar after five. Uh, but things I that- would. Yeah, you are. That's, yeah. that's why I sit by myself at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> your, your little lawyer mind is <laughs> it's constantly turning about those things. But that was, I know, it is really eye-opening for me. Um, I hope that everyone that's watching this or watching or listening to this episode um, goes out to scottgreengroup.com, uh, checks out, that's not the, is that the URL? The Green Law Group. The Green Law Group.com. We'll have it linked to the in the show notes for sure. Uh, watch some of those free resources, free videos. Inform yourself. It's not fun to think about, but it will be way less fun if it happens to you and you're not prepared. Yeah, I want to see if I can nail the expression here. The the best time to be thinking about when you need a lawyer is when you don't actually need one. There you go. <laughs> right? That was yeah, that's a t-shirt idea for sure. Boop, put it on the list. Put it on the list. You got one this episode. Hey, finally, it finally happened. We're a year in and we're finally, I'm getting t-shirt ideas. There Let's you go. go. We do, man, do we, we, I mean, I feel like we have some news for people about things that I always pitch and never get to do. I don't want to detract. I, from ladies awesome and gentlemen, episode. I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> we are going on the road. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we need to talk about this. Uh, maybe we should crank it into the intro or something, but yeah, uh, in Denver, we are, Zach was already going, obviously, but I get to tag along and we're going to record an episode live at Builder Trend on, on the, the road. road. So that's exciting. Uh, great episode. Like, review, subscribe, all the good things. Thanks for joining us on The Building Code. I'm Charlie Bertwistle. I'm Zach Wojtovich. See you next time. Yeah.